Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, the final hour is here. Thursday edition for Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Sixth and Peabody, our location. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network. If you're joining us on YouTube, we'll hope you'll like and subscribe to the channel. Just search Outkick on YouTube. Outkick.com as well is where you can find much more, including great articles, plus podcasts and, and anything from any of the shows each and every day, on demand or live at the YouTube channel. Chad, uh... Coming up, we've got Paula Scanlon. She'll join us in about 20 minutes from right now. Uh, former teammate with Leah Thomas for the Penn swimming team, where on surface level, it appeared that Leah Thomas, biological male, transgender, competing against women, uh, Riley Gaines, for instance, who has been in here and, and told her story multiple times and continues to. Now Paula Scanlon's doing that as a former teammate, where surface level, it appeared that uh, Penn was giving great support, and, and Penn was from the university's angle. But behind the scenes, teammates, if they disagreed, and they did, were told to pipe down. We'll get Paula's angle on this and why she's being outspoken now. That's coming up in 20 minutes. Um, how about uh, the Nuggets last night? A resounding victory uh, at following a, a game two where Mike Malone calls them out and a question's their, their effort in the NBA Finals for Game 2 after taking a 1-0 series lead. Series was tied 1-1 back in Miami. And the Nuggets behind a record-setting performance by Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. Uh, Jokic, 32 points, 21 rebounds, 10 assists. And he became the first player in Finals history to have a 30-20-10 game. And then the, the duo of Jokic and Murray became the first teammates to have triple doubles in the same game. A dominating performance. And Michael Malone, the, the head coach of the Nuggets, had this to say postgame. You know, I've been with Nicola for eight and uh, Jamal with, uh, for seven years now. And we've been, you know, we've had some pretty good moments, but not in the NBA Finals. And for those guys to make history the way they did tonight, uh, no one's ever done that. I mean, that's what's really neat about it. You get to win. I thought our defense was fantastic tonight. You hold that team to 94 points, 37 from the field, only 11 threes. That really helped us out tonight. The defending and rebounding at a high level, but by far their greatest performance as a duo in their seven years together dominating and they're still not appreciated enough Just no I, I don't, I don't Jokic think so. or Murray and Murray coming off the injury and and what he's doing uh, just a fantastic team top to bottom but Jokic specifically Chad it's unbelievable watching him play well and when they get cooking that offense is, yeah. is so much fun to watch it, but we've we've made this comparison before but Reminds us, Hutton, of the 2015-2016 era Warriors when they started going, when they initially got going around that time frame with a, a younger Steph Curry. Um, that's this Nuggets offense when they really get going. And Jokic is just so unorthodox. There were so many shots last night where it looks so uncomfortable for the most basketball players to hit the shots that he hits from five to eight feet from the basket. 
but just how effortlessly he can just push the ball up towards the basket and, and knock it in. And then the three-point range shown last night also. Great response. We had the play-by-play voice, the Nuggets, on the show earlier in the week after the Malone rant yes. about effort. And he said they're going to respond just fine. He can do that because he knows the types of guys he has in that locker room led by Jokic and Jamal Murray. And guess what? They were just fine. They got off the mat. They responded well. And now they're up 2-1 in the series. I still feel like this has got you know a punch-counterpunch type feel to it. I, I think Miami's going to bounce back and be just fine in game four. Well, they went with the Kevin Love lineup again. And I think that was a twist for game two. Yeah. And it did not work in adjustments made by Denver in game three. Everyone's singing the praises of Jokic, and they should, including Kendrick Perkins, which is, uh, I mean, the irony here, considering uh, a, month, a month or so ago, Kendrick Perkins was leading the charge on the MVP vote, saying that Jokic was receiving more praise because of the color of his skin. J.J. Reddick took him to task on that, absolutely. Uh, but the back-to-back MVP didn't win it this year. Instead, uh, that went to Joel Embiid. And, and solid season, great player, deserving after being the runner-up for a couple of seasons. He wins the MVP. But there's no question who the best player is right now. And it's Jokic. And on the Pat McAfee show, Kendrick Perkins is even saying that. This Joker guy, why is he on TV every single night? And should he be, Perk? Absolutely, he should be. He, he is... One, the best player in the league. He's the most skilled center to ever touch the damn basketball. Every time he shoot, I think it's going in. I don't play, I don't care the level of difficulty, 47% from the three-point line. But we are to blame. And that's us as the media, us at the network ESPN, because we should do a better job of promoting and marketing him. And he should be on television because – if you want to show someone how to play basketball the correct way, you got to show them Jokic. When you're talking about IQ, when you're talking about straight skill, Jokic is the guy that you're supposed to be watching. We shouldn't have to be waiting to the NBA Finals to be able to appreciate Jokic. Like, we got to do a better job, including myself, of actually marketing him. Like, let's talk about the Lakers and LeBron James and Jason Tatum and more talk about Jokic. Well, Perk, Perk, the reason why you won't is because he's white. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> that <ain't> yeah, that's <laughs> There's uh, Pat McAfee <laughs> with Kendrick Perkins uh, with, with the joke at the end, everyone laughing. But, I mean, I'm listening to that thinking Perkins is even admitting here that he didn't watch much of him during the season. And he just uh, automatically – I can't help but think he automatically looked at the, uh, the race and playing the race card in the MVP vote more than the actual player. And he's saying – this guy deserves all the accolades. Well, he's saying it now because he's seen it through the postseason on a very consistent and dominating fashion. Well, good on Kendrick Perkins to uh, change his stance there, you know, and evolve his opinion yeah. on Jokic from what he said before with JJ Redick and then what he said there now. But I, I would, ask, why would he not be watching him? You know, then it kind of goes back to, are you not watching him because he's a big, slow white guy? You don't, you're not interested in seeing that because he seems like someone who didn't really pay a lot of attention to him either. Because he's taking the blame. He's saying the yeah. networks need to show him more. We need to watch more Jokic of him. Jokic isn't on the rundown. He's, he called the most skilled center in the history of the game. Yeah. In that statement there yeah. from McAfee, which is a, a, a huge statement. Arvita Sabonis would like a word, by the way. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> he's really evolved the opinion quickly to which I'd go back and say, why, Kendrick Perkins, why did you not want to watch 
Jokic before as an NBA analyst. But I think a lot of these guys, why Chad, would you not do it? They only have to watch what they're told to watch or what they're going to be talking about. You know, a lot of the manufactured debate shows, they know ahead of time what they're going to be discussing. Well, Shaq and, and, was the one who said, I'm not paid to know the Wizards well, Shaq, roster, yeah, right? But Shaq even admitted in an interview with Jokic that you know, one of the, I believe it was the victory, yeah, it was the game one win in the finals. Barkley and Shaq were doing some stuff for NBA TV. And Shaq admitted post-game, he was like, hey, this is the first time that we've been here to even watch you in person. This is the first time I've seen you in person. That's crazy. But that tells you like, that the markets are dictating where the coverage is going through the league. And, and by the way, Denver has had a chance to knock down the door the last couple of seasons with the MVP, and they haven't done that. Now they're able to actually seal the deal and get the credit they, that they've deserved more of the previous couple of seasons when they weren't winning NBA titles. Well, so the next step now for Jokic and the Nuggets Again, going back to the comparison, the Warriors. The Warriors were an also-ran organization that didn't draw a lot of eyeballs. Yeah. A lot of people didn't care about. Then they got really good and really fun. And then national broadcast wanted them all the time. And that continues to this day. They are a good TV draw for the NBA, and they're good for talk. Kendrick Perkins and everyone who spends a lot of time talking about the NBA, that's one of the teams they're always going to talk about. With the greatest shooter in Curry, Warriors, right? And, right. And, and you've got so now... Stars, Jokic. though... Especially when they got Durant and then became an even bigger talking yes. point when the Warriors did. But yep. stars can transform an organization and the way the organization is viewed. So maybe Jokic and Murray and a championship this year, if they go on and win this thing, maybe, just maybe, the Nuggets can turn into another Warriors where there's a five- to ten-year window where now that franchise is one that you want to put on the national window on Saturday night on ABC, or you want to spend more time on Inside the NBA on TNT discussing. Suddenly, they become a team that, that garners more attention and more eyeballs. That's the hope. If you really like watching Jokic and Murray and this team play, the hope is that they kind of become the Warriors from an interest-level standpoint. And then a year from now, two years from now, we're all laughing about, remember the time that we never saw Jokic on TV or no one talked about him? Because he's the biggest it, thing in the game. But yet, we didn't see him on TV and no one was watching him. But he won back-to-back -back MVPs. Oh, yeah. The, you know, so, so enough people, people knew. Yeah. They were paying attention. The voters were at least paying attention to it. But the talking heads were not because they weren't, they weren't geared or focused or told to really dive in and have an opinion on it. Like they are, you know, inside the NBA would jump in and do some things on Denver, but... Like you're saying, Chad, they're they're doing Lakers and Celtics and uh, you know uh, Warriors and, and other franchises. We've certainly seen more Bucks coverage because of Giannis. Now we're about to see more with with Jokic. Um, going back to uh, last week and and comments made by Adam Silver, NBA commissioner, he was asked about uh, whether or not the league would potentially implement or consider a NBA coaching salary cap. And I think this was brought on because Monty Williams signed a 10-year contract uh, worth $78.5 million uh, with, what, Detroit. Pistons gave him 78.5 over 10. And uh, this was via the Sports Business Journal, but Silver was just like, no, not really, uh, because there's a player union and the coaches don't have one. And they're not interested in the coaches having one. Right. And it, the 
and they haven't you know made that election with the the union discussion now i don't think he's trying to put that in their heads at all the the last thing the nba wants is to deal with another union um but the marketplace dictates this and without the CBA and the union representation and the agreement of a salary cap, that would be an antitrust violation, which is why you're not going to see this in the NFL either Yeah. Uh, with boatloads of money. Now, if you start thinking about the NFL and the amount of money that's being poured into right now in Denver with Sean Payton, certainly with McVay, Belichick is a, a no-brainer, but even the young coaches, the up-and-coming you know, it coach for that year is getting a boatload more uh, than some of the the bottom half of the head coaches in the league. We we would joke about certain big-time Power 5 college coaches going 500 in college and making more than an NFL head coach, considerably more than an NFL head coach, and comparing salaries. They're, they're all rich, but there are the haves and the have-nots in coaching, and it's just based on marketplace and demand and results. Yeah, and it... it it's it's a it's a market, and the owners set the market, yep. and it's how they want to compete with each other, and what they end up wanting to spend. If the owners got together and said, "Hey, the <clears throat> head coaching salaries are getting a little bit out of hand," and they wanted to start offering less, well, that would be collusion. It, though, it would right? be collusion, but I mean, you know, those things happen too. It's it's not. I don't think it's going that direction, but it's ultimately on the owners to do what they want I, with, with what they're paying their coaches. And speaking of salary caps. The list of the highest-paid NBA mascots. All right, so if you're if you're I, considering, I could not, I could not believe. If this. you're considering college right now, uh, just consider this: Rocky, the mascot of the Denver Nuggets, tops the list with an annual salary to be the team's mascot of six hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars. That is. I would have never... This is the stunning piece of news since I heard what Messi turned down from the Saudis at $1.6 billion over three years. The average salary for a mascot in the NBA is around $62,000. And then you have Rocky making $625,000. Ten times what the other mascots are, are making. What dirt does he have on Stan Kroenke. Or maybe he's like, uh, he does the the <laughs> landscaping for Kroenke's house also. Is this money side. laundering? Is he a full-time employee of Kroenke? He's one a, of his personal assistants. Is one of the Waltons? Because Kroenke's married to a Walton. Is, is no. this uh, a Walton family member that's uh, being punished, but they're still making six hundred grand annually? And how, those college kids By the you're way, talking to, how can you major in mascotting? The that, Hawks mascot. Good, good profession to the get into. The Hawks mascot makes 600000 I didn't even know the Hawks had a mascot. Benny the Bull in Chicago, 400000 That's one that I've heard of. And, and they seen. don't even have to do the NBA dunk competition anymore at the All-Star weekend. They did away with that. The trampoline you know, extravaganza. Does the gorilla for the sun still exist? I think so, remember, yeah. Remember, that's the one I remember as a kid. Yeah, that was the, the best. All the crazy dunks. Uh, that one in the Vancouver Grizzlies mascot. Yeah. They were awesome. I mean, I... He's probably making the, 62 grand. He's the most well-known. Who cares about the Atlanta Hawks mascot? I, I didn't know that was a thing. Didn't know they had a mascot. Who and cares about a mascot, period, though? Oh, I care about them and that I don't want them around me when I'm at an event. Yeah. I'm not a child, too. That's that they're mainly for kids, <laughs> but a lot of the mascots now are scaring kids based on the way yeah. they're uh, 
<laughs> they're made to look. Ma- the mascots. Pelic- I'm, guess- I'm guessing the, the I'm baby. I'm not anti-mascot. They're just mi- mostly annoying to adults. The ugly baby, their, whatever it's called. Their yeah, stick. With the pelicans. Oh, yeah. King baby. Right, I'm, I'm assuming that, you know, that's lower down on the list. Looks like that movie Megan about the horror doll. <laughs> yeah. That's the mascot for the <laughs> pelicans. Uh, coming up, an inspirational show that Chad, seriously, uh, that Chad is watching, that has inspired him. Uh, but when we come back, Paula Scanlon will join us. Former teammate of Leah Thomas is speaking out. That's next from Hot Mike. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Hot Mike with Hunt and Withrow rolls on. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. The face of the transgender movement in competition, biological males competing against biological women has been and is continues to be leah thomas um espn has glorified leah thomas and certainly uh front and center at at penn winning championships uh, against riley Gaines, who has been on the show and uh in studio with us uh, multiple times the anti uh side of this while i i think we've certainly chad discussed this at length the vast majority of people understand the common sense angle of it. Yeah. We haven't heard much vocally from anyone that was a teammate with Leah Thomas or anyone else really that's competed against Leah Thomas. And uh, we're pleased to be joined by Paula Scanlon, who was a teammate at Penn uh, when Leah Thomas was pushed and glorified by the university and college athletics, quite frankly. Paula, thank you for the time. And knowing that you've, you've seen Riley Gaines and, and everything that she stands for and what she said, is this or is, is she the reason why you feel the reason is, is now to be vocal and outspoken about your experience behind the scenes at Penn? Yeah, so I actually first reached out to Riley when um, she first started speaking out about this, and I just thanked her to let her know, you know, I was bullied into silence and that I really appreciated what she was doing. 
Um, and just in that time, Riley and I were just talking a lot. We were friends. We'd have phone calls. And just as she continued to speak on, I said, okay, other girls are going to join her. It doesn't have to be me. I don't have to be the person that does this. And I just didn't really see as many people as I thought would join her. And I decided if you want something done right, you have to do it yourself. Um, so I decided that it's time for me to join the fight and for me to stand up for what's right. As you're on the team at Penn, did you meet Leah Thomas before you were told not to speak out against this? Or did someone at Penn, did your coaching staff come forward and say, this is what we're doing don't make this an issue because we're supporting this as a university. Um, well, we knew in advance that a member of the men's team was going to be transitioning to the women's team. Um, we knew in the fall of 2019, actually. And then once it actually came around for the season to happen, it was post-COVID. We had lost the 2020 to 2021 season of athletics entirely in the Ivy League. So, again, most people were just really happy to be back uh, training again, being together. So it wasn't really, we didn't really discuss exactly what was going to happen. Uh, just, you know, Leah was there, Leah was in the locker room and that was pretty much the end of the discussion at the very beginning of the season. Um, so yeah, not a lot of discussion. It was just, we were aware it was happening and that was it. You, you mentioned that you were bullied into silence. What, what, what do you mean by that? What, what were the authorities, the coaches, the people in charge at, with athletics at Penn, what were they telling you when all of this was going on? Yeah. So at the beginning, um, there wasn't really a lot of attention, right? There, you guys actually were one of the outkick was one of the first people to write a story about the out, outrageousness of this, um, but there wasn't a lot of media attention because no one really follows swimming, uh, especially in the NCAA. So completely justified. But once it started to blow up, that was when the athletic department came in and told us um, that we should not be speaking to the media. The media is not our friend. We're going to regret speaking out. And also at that point, they provided us with uh, psychological services uh, to help us feel more comfortable with the situation that we were in. So, yeah, they essentially referred us to psychological counseling if we uh, disagreed with what was happening. Did you or any of your teammates take them up on that? I'm, I'm curious what they meant by psychological help with it. Who, who was available to you? Yeah. So at Penn, we actually have something called CAPS, which is, stands for Psychological and counseling and psychological services, I think is the full name. I don't know if anyone actually went, but they actually brought in a representative from CAPS to come speak to us, um, which I thought was very interesting because I had never even, like most events that they do at the school, like you don't even hear from CAPS. Like it takes months and weeks to get an appointment with CAPS actually. It's like known for being not helpful if you actually need help. Um, so I don't know if anyone actually took it up, but we did have follow-up meetings after this big meeting where they told us not to speak. Um, I made an effort to not really attend those. So I'm not quite sure what went on, but I don't think anyone actually took ca caps up on their, on their offer for services. Paul Scanlon with us on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow, a former teammate at Penn with Leah Thomas. So at one of those meetings though, uh, a representative of the university, by the way, is this your coach telling you this? Is, uh, is this uh, a, a different member of the athletic department? Is this higher up at the university? And it, who, who said that if you took this to the media, you would regret talking to the press? Yeah, so they brought in um, a representative from the athletic department, not the AD themselves, but somebody who directly worked under them, uh, someone from the LGBT center and someone from CAPS. So those are the three people. And then our coaches were obviously there, but they didn't speak. Um, and those were the three people that were there telling us that. 
So they all kind of like took their turn saying something, but it was really led by the athletic department. So the athletic department were the people who really drove home. Do not speak to the media. You're going to regret it. We need to keep this in house. If you have these feelings, you know, take it to us, meet with us at the athletic department, meet with the counselors, go to the LGBT center. Implication meaning you're just not going to be a member of the team. Did you take that as what they meant by regret going to the media? Honestly, I don't know if they meant like the media might twist our words or if there would be other consequences that involved, um, you know, getting in trouble or being kicked off the team. I don't think anyone would have been, honestly, in my opinion. I think that would have been too far, um, even on their end. Like, even they were very extreme, but I don't think they would have done that. Uh, But again, we didn't really see that end up happening. So I can't speak to what would have happened. Riley has has told us her experience uh, with Leah in, in the women's locker room where she said, clearly a male. Um, did anyone voice that opinion at Penn? And uh, did you see the or experience the same experience that, that Riley Gaines did when she's vocal about this? Yeah, we definitely did bring up the concerns, but it was more just shut down very quickly and it was you know someone's a member of the team why would they be excluded from the locker room so it was very much so that they would just say you know if Leah's going to be part of this team Leah has to have all the same opportunities that you guys have and at that point I mean I couldn't even really argue with that because I would feel uncomfortable if I was told I had to go change in the men's locker room right so if Leah's going to be part of the team I think it made sense that Leah was going to have all the same opportunities we were was, so. was Leah interacting with you guys or, or was it uh, strictly Leah Thomas and then the rest of, of the team was the team that, that would hang out? No, um, Leah had plenty of friends. There's people on the team that were very close and would talk to Leah in the locker room and on the deck and in the lanes. Um, I just personally wasn't part of that group. Uh, and I would just try to, you know, go to practice and leave as quickly as I could. Um, but there were plenty of people who were quite supportive and there and Leah did, was not treated badly by any means from anyone on the team during the season. What, what did you make of ESPN deciding to, to glorify Leah Thomas during the, the women in sports promo that they were doing? I, I'm, I'm sure you probably had a chance to see that. What was your first thought when you saw that? I personally just felt very offended. Um, you know, there's a lot of other amazing women like Riley, obviously myself, I'm not the, the greatest ath- women's athlete in the world, just, you know, low level D1. Um, and there's so many wonderful women athletes out there. Riley is an example. There's oh, even girls swimming. Kate Douglas is like, she won every single one of her events at NCAAs. You know, if you're going to feature a swimmer, it should be someone like that. Um, so I was almost just confused and a little bit offended, honestly, with their decision to do that. What has the reaction been Paula, since you decided to finally speak out on this with, after talking with Riley Gaines, we've had Riley on the show a number of times. We know she faced some really bad stuff when she was uh, in California speaking. Um, what has the reaction been like for you? I've definitely gotten my fair share of messages um, that are not so nice, to say the least. But I think what's surprising for me is actually how much more support there is. Uh, I've actually received a message from one person at like every stage of my life, um, a middle school classmate who I haven't spoken to in 10 years reached out to let me know that they supported me. Um, I've had a, a people I had classes with in college tell me they support me. I had a girl from high school tell me that she supports me and we weren't even very close. 
So I think the biggest thing is there is more support here and whether or not those people are going to stay step out and speak vocally about what they think that most people do support this, even if they're not speaking out about it. Polly, what's so what's so odd is uh, the university and this is going on through states as well, siding with uh, the transgender aspect instead of women um, and, and siding with Leah in your case, instead of the majority of the athletes that I'm sure felt the same way you did about this. Uh, did the university's position make you feel unsafe? And were they getting pressure from the higher? Like, was the NCAA providing pressure? Was, were, was there others outside of the university that were acting like, hey, Penn, you need to do this, and Penn carried this out? What was the perception behind the scenes? No, and actually, I think the NCAA was almost um, a bigger offender than the university because the university is just simply following the guidelines that the NCAA set out, right? Uh, the NCAA are the people who made the policies that allowed um, individuals that are formerly men to compete on the women's teams. And I think the universities are like, we're following the NCAA rule because we're, in, you know, we fall under the NCAA being our leaders. So I think, honestly, I do think Penn internally handled things incorrectly on telling us to be quiet and silencing us and making our voices quieter. But at the end of the day, the NCAA did allow this to happen by having policies that were not backed by true science and that allowed unfair competition to happen within the NCAA. You know, you took a while to, to speak out on this. And, and you, earlier in the interview, Paula, you said it's because, oh, other people will do it. Other people will do it. You know, and finally you said, hey, not enough people are doing it. I'm going to speak out and, and say it myself. Why do you think so many people won't say what they believe in this? Because it feels like 95% of America agrees with you on this, agrees that it's unfair but so few people talk about it. Why, why do you think that that's a problem for people? I, I think the, the woke mob, for lack of a better term, is incredibly effective. Even the past um, three days since I've come out with this publicly, I have received a lot of hate. And at times it, it is really, really challenging to have people you've never met before assume things about you that aren't true. Uh, the name calling, um, just things that are being said to you that you don't even know where they're coming from. And it is really challenging. I think a lot of people are afraid and not just of getting hate, but of their universities, right? A lot of the people who want to speak out against this are in a very liberal institution. So even if someone at a school that isn't Penn wants to speak out against this, they don't know what their university might do. Their university can expel them for any given reason or start to grade them differently. There's a story of that girl who used the word biological woman in her paper at the University of, I think, Cincinnati. And she got a zero. Um, so it's incredibly effective that they're doing this. And it's in all universities, not just Penn. It's all across the country. It's happening in high schools. So I understand why people are scared, even if their opinion is the opinion that matches the majority. What was the dominance like with, with Leah competing against women? Yeah, I mean, um, Going through a year off from swimming, so pretty much most people on my team didn't swim for an entire year. And then to come in and win an NCAA championship in the 500 freestyle is crazy. Um, a lot of people within the Ivy League were not swimming their fastest times. And I just think even if even if you just watch the the technique and, you know, 
this is like more technical to swimming, but Leah doesn't have incredibly quick flip turns. And if you look at the other women in the field, they do. So just seeing that difference just goes to show like how much of an advantage there is um, in the actual physical part of the race, right? Did both the men's and women's team, the swim team, hang out at all? Were, were you social at all? I guess what I'm asking is, did you know Will Thomas on the Penn men's team before Will became Leah and your teammate? Yeah, so we have a combined program. So we run most of our practices actually with the men's team. And I did uh, know Will. And Will was very, very quiet um, and not someone I would have expected to be part of something so public. Um, but again, I never really knew Will very well. And I still don't really know Leah super well. So I can't speak to like individual things about that. But I just know what happened and how I was treated. Paula, where were your were there coaches that were against this? Were they also silenced or were they complicit in what Penn was doing to back Leah and, and back the, the transgender aspect of a biological male competing in the pool against biological women? The best way to explain my coaches is they just told me my hands are tied. I have to go along with what the university is doing, um, right? I'm going to either lose my job or I'm going to be put in a difficult position and the head coach did talk to me about this and he just said, either way, I'm going to pick wrong. Um, so it was just one of those situations where, you know, there was nothing else they could do. It was either follow the university or not. And either way they were going to receive hate and backlash. And I don't, I don't necessarily blame my coaching staff. I really do want it to be clear. The NCAA is responsible for this. And then Penn also for silencing us within our team but I really do think um, my coaches were just another mem another group of people that were affected by um, this horrible thing that happened. Paula, what advice would you give to other girls that are in a similar position now that you are in and, and certainly can speak to at Penn? I think it's important to use your voice. And I think that's something I was afraid of because I said also, who's going to care about my opinion? But I really do think the more of us that speak out, the more powerful it's going to be. And even if you don't think anyone will see it, if you just affect one person, if you have one person hear your story and change their mind about what they think about this or want to have that one person help you and then further back you up, that will make a difference. And I think that's something I didn't realize before I spoke out, but I know that it's true now. Well, you mentioned you you reached out to Riley and said thanks, I've, yeah. like privately. What's, yes. what's been... The, the reaction behind the scenes or text calls, whatever, for you? Uh, are, have you been surprised with the reaction on the, the positive end of people saying, hey, thank you for using your voice. I hope to do this. Yeah, um, one of my teammates said that she is really proud of me and she says that she's you know thinking about using her voice potentially. I had another teammate also reach out to me saying uh, similar things. I'm gonna talk to her actually later today. Um, but yeah, so definitely I'm hoping there will be more. I don't want to be the only pen swimmer that you guys ever hear from or the world ever hears from. Um, but for now, all I can do is use my voice and encourage other people to do the same because I know that the bigger the crowd we get, the harder this is going to be to fight. Uh, and certainly there are, are, are girls on your team, teammates that agree with you. Do any of your teammates disagree with you? Have they voiced disagreement since you've spoken? They haven't voiced it to me directly, but I know that there are people who disagree um, based on how they acted a year ago. And I can't imagine their opinions have changed. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, I'm going to there's not not going to be everyone that agrees with me. 
And if people have a different opinion, they're allowed to have that opinion, but I'm just going to continue to speak the truth that I know and they can continue to do speak what they think is true as well. Paul, I'm curious if, if I'm just thinking like what I would feel about not speaking out and why I wouldn't. Um, and maybe it's the fear of feeling unsafe. Um, has it been better? Do, do you feel like, oh, I, I should have known I can handle it like this. Uh, I should have spoken out earlier. Or has it been an adjustment for you that you're still kind of working through? Yeah, it's definitely a little bit of an adjustment. I think the biggest thing is just feeling like I'm very under a microscope now, right? So it's yeah. like before I spoke out, nobody was expecting anything. But now I feel like it's what's next. And everyone's texting me like, what are you going on to next? Like I have family saying, what can we watch you on tonight? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, I'm not sure. I mean, I did mention this. So nice. I definitely have some family supporting me on this. But, um, you know, so I think it's 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 a little bit more pressure, but it's it's nothing crazy. I mean, it's nothing you can't handle. And again, it's not hard because all I have to do is come on here and just tell you guys the truth. Right. Like, I don't have to go prep and practice and memorize lines because I'm telling the truth. And that's so easy. So I think that that aspect of it has definitely like not been a challenge at all. I think Chad, all I think the truth. Chad, we could see more and more now. Sage Still certainly supported you. Sam publicly. Ponder. Sam Ponder, uh, Riley, yes. of course. And I, I think we're seeing more and more of this on the public end rather than behind the scenes with the whispers. Now it's shouting. Now it, it, not shouting, but a discussion. And I, I think that's great. And I'm hoping others will follow your lead as well. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm really really hopeful that it'll happen. Paula Scanlon has been our guest, former Penn swimmer, a teammate of Leah Thomas, uh, being vocal and speaking out now. Um, one, one more question for you, Paula, before we let you go, because yeah. there was a, a USA Today column about Sam Ponder, and we got into this last week, making a lot mm -hmm. of presumptions about Sam Ponder, that she was yep. masking her bigotry. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's, that's what people need to focus on and not necessarily what she was saying. Um, what's the biggest presumption that you'd like to say is false? that people who come after you on social media or whatever would make about you simply because you're speaking out ab about this? I think the biggest thing is that this term saying we're hiding behind false feminism to, to push transphobia, whatever that even really means. But I think the biggest thing about this is if you can't support women having their own sports, how dare you call yourself a feminism, like a feminist, right? You, you're not a supporter of feminism if you think people who are born male should be in women's sports. And I think they're, they're trying to suggest that they are feminists for thinking that. And there's this is happening everywhere. I'm not sure if you guys heard about that uh, lesbian dating app, that there were lesbians that were complaining about having men on the app. And they were told to leave the app and that they're transphobes if they don't identify as lesbian and don't want to date men. It's like, have we really gone so backwards that you're fighting your own group now? And so I think that's the biggest thing is I just don't think that argument is fair. So I think me, Riley, Sam, the people who have stood up for this are feminists. And the people who fight this are misogynists. It's simple. Yeah, and, and the celebration of Title IX, the 50-year anniversary, was just a year ago, I believe. Yep. Uh, meanwhile, ESPN, and they, they, they've got uh, execs that are tweeting out, oh, we, we're supporting women. Check out this graphic on the WNBA today on SportsCenter. I mean, again, like it, it is so contradictory on what they're saying and what the, their their host employees uh, and, and, and it's not just ESPN. Uh, it's it's just the this sentiment that it's transphobia instead of biology. What's right yeah. and what's wrong? Yeah, yeah. It's, what, it's what it comes down. Biological to. men and women. To us, it's common sense. 
and uh, it sounds like you, you feel exactly the same way, uh, where you don't have to be a, a phobic to actually side yeah. on the side of women athletics. Yeah, I'm just pro-woman. That's my stance. I don't know any of this anti or against or whatever. I'm pro-woman. That's all I'm going to say about my own stance. Paula, uh, thank you so much uh, for the visit today. And uh, hopefully we can do this down the road as well. And, of course, yeah. As hopefully this progresses in the right direction. I would hope so. Thank you guys so much for having me today. I really appreciate yeah, it. Thank you, Anytime. Paula. Appreciate it. Paula Scanlon there. Uh, great convo. Uh, and really detail good. behind the scenes. I haven't heard much detail about interaction with Leah Thomas, right? Other no. than from Riley Gaines. So that I think I think the the whole atmosphere at Penn, where they're silencing their athletes, and I, it sounds like the coaches as well. Like, hey, my hands are tied yeah. here. Yeah, and it, um, it, that's the first time also that's interesting. I've heard you know Leah also had friends on the team that disagree with me when I came out right. and said this that it's unfair. You know that that she's. I think probably sounds like the majority of the teammates agree with Paula on this stance, but there are some that don't. So that's that's an interesting piece of this also. She said she's pro-woman. I'm, I'm pro-fairness when it comes right. to this in sports, and that's the common sense approach that we're taking with it that I don't think enough people are. Chad, you have been inspired by a show you're watching. We've, I want to inspire others too, Hutton. I, I live to be inspired and inspire. And wait until you see what I think, if you're a fan of rodeo, you're now going to be a fan of the fastest growing sport uh, involving bulls and soccer. Uh, that's next here on Hot Mike. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Chad, I've, I've been to a couple of rodeos. I would absolutely go to bulldozer soccer in what looks like a scene out of Jackass. Um, this is taking over for me when it comes to rodeo. So you've got uh, teams playing soccer, but with like what looks to be an inflatable, like larger than a beach ball, and then they let bulls loose in the ring. There was a big crowd there. And the Bulls are just steamrolling these dudes. Your thoughts? Uh, highly dangerous, also highly entertaining. It, it, yes. So I would, I would watch. That's, I would not want to participate, but I count me in as a new spectator. That's this exactly fastest how growing I would sport describe in Johnny Knoxville as well. Or wherever so, that was. Yeah, I think it's in Central America somewhere. Uh, but it's viral on Instagram. That tracks. Uh, just check out Bulldozer Soccer. Hey, uh, Brandel Chambly, by the way, just tweeted that the PGA Tour Live Golf merger is, quote, not a done deal and that it could be blocked by the government at any moment. I, I see, I, I, I've seen this theory. Um, this, is, uh, this is from a tweet from OutKick uh, one minute ago. So it's been said before that the PIF money and, and certain mergers would be blocked, and they've won every single time. So I don't, I'm curious as to the motives of how they've handled this announcement, if 
in fact, they felt like it would get blocked. They would have known this, right? But it was a quick negotiation. Yeah, this was a plot line in the last season of Succession where one group was trying to align with a certain president during an election that would block a merger, a deal ah. coming from a European power, a Swedish billionaire. There so, will be more to this story, certainly tomorrow, whenever we're, yeah, we're well, live at 3 o'clock Eastern. Uh, in the meantime, though, Chad, you're, the last time I heard the voice of Arnold Schwarzenegger, it was on a phony phone call on Howard Stern. But you're saying there's a reason to go watch something and get inspired the way you are. Yeah, he's got a new movie or TV show or something on uh, on Netflix. I've not watched. It's called Fubar uh, that I've, okay. I've not watched. And I, when I was recommending this to friends, they immediately said that goofy action movies. I'm like, no, there is a docu series right now on Netflix. It's not the. I'm, I'm not recommending whatever movie he's done for Netflix. There is an Arnold Schwarzenegger docu series. It's a three part docu series titled Arnold. Highly, highly recommend. I love this man. After watching 15 minutes of the first episode of this, episode one is titled The Athlete, and it details his early life in Austria, his time in the Austrian army, his bodybuilding, uh, moving around the globe to go into bodybuilding competitions. It is so well done. As you can see, Arnold Schwarzenegger, the bodybuilder right now. Uh, Part two is The Actor or the movie star, and part three is the governor, the politician, and all three big chunks of his life. Truly inspirational guy. Just the way people talk about him, the way he talks about his own life. Um, he is a worker. There yes. is no doubt about it, and he is someone, talks about his, uh, his father dying and his brother when he was younger, uh, a drunk driving where he uh, drove into a telephone pole and died. Oh. And he said, I had no emotion about either one. And he said it was just trained in him from an early age that he does not get upset about things on the outside. And he looked at that as something on the outside. He said, I, he said, wow. maybe one day I will grieve them, but that that's not today that he just kept moving the entire time. Fascinating guy. I will check this out. I'm telling you, I, I, I'm ready to get back. And when I get a chance to watch tonight, I'm going to finish part two. So uh, the movie, star. watching the masters, you know, it, it inspires us to make sure our lawns are pristine. Yeah. Does this motivate you to get to the gym? I did 10 push-ups after watching it. That's that's all, all that I could do right now. It motivates me to Not get some... Not made it to the gym in a while. The, the weightlifting portion of my life I want some Osterine after down. seeing the photo is what I want. Yeah, he, no, he, he dabbled in steroids. <laughs> and he talks about that. I'll take a sick game. He said he'd go on a four-month cycle and then stop, knock it off. He'd go on the four-month cycle before the big competition. We'll have more on the Live and PGA discussion, plus Clay Travis and Tim Brando tomorrow. We start at 3 o'clock Eastern right here for Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network.